stand for the reading of God's word. I, I want to just say, you know, the name of this series is Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. Can everybody say that with me? Change your mind, change your life. Change your mind, change your life. Now, that's biblical because the Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our brain, our thoughts. All right, because most of the battles that you dealt with this week, some of them were physical, but most of them were in between your two ears in the battlefield of the mind. That's the battlefield for the Christian, the mind, because Satan attacks the thoughts, right? He attacks our thoughts. He attacks our thinking and whether or not we're ready for his attacks uh, depends on how much we've been in the word because the word is the sword of the spirit and it's the word of God. And we'll note that when Satan attacked Eve in the garden, he attacked her thoughts. He immediately began to undermine God in her thoughts. He, he made her doubt God in her thinking, God's intent towards her, God's desire for her best. Uh, he, he attacked God. And, and the battle happened in her thought life. And when she, she lost the battle in her thought life and believed the lies Satan was telling her, that's when she reached out and ate the fruit and sinned. So the battle is in the thoughts. And that's why I'm dealing so much with this whole idea of a worldview. All right? So change your mind, change your life. I'm going to deal with part two of that today. And I'm calling this, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? And I want to read John 18, verse 37. And we're going to jump in and hear old Pilate talking. Pilate said, sarcastically, so you're a king, like right. And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. Well, he didn't look like a king, did he? But Jesus said, you're right, I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I came into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. So why did Jesus come into the world? To bear witness, say it with me, to the truth. Pilate asked very sarcastically. His question is dripping with sarcasm. He says, what is truth? That's how he said it. He didn't say, tell me, teacher, what is truth? No, it was sarcastic. <laughs> you can't bear witness to the truth. What is truth? sarcasm. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray you'll help us to renew our minds, change our minds and change our lives. Church, would you just lift your hands to the Lord and say today, Father, in Jesus name, renew my mind, strengthen me in my heart, change my thinking and change my life in Jesus name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, change your mind, change your life. Absolutely true. Well, this is a, this is a really, really, I, I love teaching on this because this is the great need of the church. This is the great need of the church. I think I said last week, if you were to ask me, what, is, what are the two greatest needs of the church? What, what does the church need more than anything else? I would tell you discernment and a worldview that is biblical. And then I said, but the first and most important is a biblical worldview. Because if you have a biblical worldview, you're going to have discernment. If you don't have a biblical worldview, you're not going to be able to discern right from wrong, truth from falsehood, what is from God and what is not from God. You're not going to have the kind of discernment that'll save you a lot of tears and sometimes it'll save your life. Yeah. 
All right? Now, I want you to notice. Jesus said, here's the reason I came into the world. I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Now, notice he didn't say to a truth. He didn't say to some truth in general. You know, I didn't come just to spew out truthful facts. But, but I came to bear witness to a kind of truth that is unique. It's exclusive. It's ultimate. It's non-negotiable. It's unchanging. It's unassailable. That's the kind of truth I came to bear witness to. Uh, ultimate truth. Absolute truth. A truth that doesn't flex, modify, bow to societal pressure, bend to fit changing trends, or apologize when people don't like it. That's the kind of truth I came to bear witness to. So what was it? Well, the truth of what he came to bear witness of was who he was and is and the truth of what he came to tell us, the truth of his word. He said, I came to bear witness to the truth and I am the truth. I came to bear witness of me and I came to bear witness to give you, to, to, to communicate to you words of truth that will never flex, never change, never bend, never bow, never break. Never modify, never, never flex so that people will be happy with it. I came to bear witness to the truth. Now, the the sad thing is that here's Pilate, and he has the embodiment of all truth standing right in front of him. Can you imagine having Jesus standing right in front of you? He had the embodiment of all truth standing right in front of him, and yet when he asked what truth was, he didn't stick around long enough for an answer. And he had the truth standing right in front of him. If anybody could have explained and told him what the truth was, it was standing right in front of him. But Pilate did not stick around to get an answer. And, you know, I can almost hear a weariness in Pilate. There's almost a, a, uh, a frustration. You can hear it. It's, it's a sarcasm about life. And, and he, he's weary. He's, he, listen, he's, he's reached the pinnacle of political power, but he's wound up empty and disillusioned. So that, so that he's sarcastic about there even being such a thing as truth. Are you with me? He's wondering, what truth? Is there really anything that's true? Because in my world, there's really not anything I can hang my hat on. There's nothing that I can stake a claim on. There, there, there's nothing I can build my life on. I'm a political genius. I'm a, I'm a political guy. And I have found my world to be completely and totally empty. So what is truth? Yeah, yeah, there's no truth. Now, I want you to hold that thought about the truth. I want you to say with me, the truth. The truth. Now, I want you to hold that thought about truth. And let's recall last time what we said about a worldview. We said this about a worldview. First, everybody listening to me has a worldview. I don't care who you are, where you are, how old you are, what your background is, what you do for a job, where you live, what you drive, what you wear. I don't care. You have a worldview. And what's a worldview? Making it real simple, it's how you view the world. The lens through which you view all of life. Now, your worldview is comprised of the ethics, the values, the philosophy, the morals that you live by are all part and parcel of your worldview. You've got a worldview. When you wake up in the morning, you see everything that happens to you through the lens of that worldview. When you see the news, you read that news 
through the lens of your worldview. When you meet people, uh, the people you decide to run around with, all those decisions are made based on whatever your worldview is. And I told you last time that there's only two kinds. There's only two options. You will only have one of two kinds of worldview. You're going to have a worldly worldview, a worldly worldview that's founded on the beliefs and the values of this world. All right? That's a worldly worldview. I have the world, the, the values of that culture out there, the philosophy of that culture, the morals of that culture, the ethics of that culture. I build my lifestyle around the messages that that culture is giving me about how to view life and everything else. A worldly worldview. Or you have a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview, folks, listen carefully to this. It's so important. I can't tell you how important. A biblical worldview is based on the values, the morals, the theology, the view of Scripture. You see everything through the lens of the Bible. That's a biblical worldview. Because you see, when you and I get saved, our, our, our souls were lost. How many of you know that's right? Your soul was lost and you were going straight to hell if you hadn't gotten saved. But when you got saved, your spirit man was reborn. But guess what? Upstairs in your thinking, you had the thinking of the world you've been raised in. You saw everything through the lens of what values and morals and ethics and everything else that you had subscribed to when you were in the world. And I like to call it stinking thinking. We all got saved with stinking thinking upstairs. All right? And so what does God say? God says, the first thing I want to do with you is I want to renew your mind. I want to renew your thinking. I want to focus on the way you think, the way you view things, and I want you to trade off a worldly worldview for a biblical worldview. I want you to begin to think like me, walk like me, talk like me, love like me, be patient like me, view people like me, view the universe like me, view the world like me, view everything through my eyes. Are y'all with me today? The Bible clearly tells professing Christians, how many professing Christians in here? Amen? All right? Then if you're a professing Christian, watch this. Tells us, do not be conformed to this world. It means shaped into its mold. When I was a kid, I got one of these little things, these games or toys where you got a bunch of molds, a mold of a cricket and a lizard and a snake and frog. And it was just, it was, it was molds. And it came with this gooey stuff that you poured into the mold. And when you poured it into the mold, you were supposed to put it into a warm oven for just a little while. And when you pulled it out, it had gotten harder, uh, like a little rubber toy. And you pulled it out. And, and there you had a perfect frog. But why did it look like a frog? Because it was poured into a mold. And, and that frog looked exactly like the mold. That, that mold shaped that liquid into exactly what it looked like itself. And here's what God is saying to us. Don't let your life be poured into the mold of this world. That's what it's saying. Don't let that happen. But instead, look what he says, be transformed and progressively changed 
as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. How am I transformed? By the renewing of my mind. But Jeff, but Jeff, aren't I renewed when I get saved and I get born again? Yes, you're a different person when you get born again, but you are transformed progressively all the way to when you go to see Jesus in heaven by the renewing of your mind. So God wants ways of thinking we learn in the world to be erased and replaced with the ways of the kingdom of God, the thinking of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. What I'm teaching on right here has not been happening with the Western church. And so what we're seeing is a whole lot of people professing to be Christians, professing to know the Lord, but they're not living like it. Their lives don't reflect it. Something has happened between their confession and the way they're living. And I want to suggest to you, it's because I laid at the fault of the pulpit, because if there is a, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pews. And see, if the pulpit's not teaching the word of God, but we're getting motivational seminars instead, I'm tired of motivational seminars. I don't want to hear any more about how great I am, how incredible I am, what I've got the power to do in myself, and I'm this incredible human being, and look out world, here I come, and you got it going on, guy, you got it going on, girl, uh, you know, go take the world, uh, you're a great big uh, bunch of potential, and, and aren't you really something else? No, I'm tired of that. I want to be, I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear the Bible. I want to hear what Paul, Peter, James, John, and Jude taught me on how to walk out the Christian faith. How come we don't ever hear about picking up your cross daily and follow him? How come we don't ever hear about crucifying your flesh? How come we don't ever hear about you're going to have some tough times in this world, but he is in charge of the storms of your life anyway? How come we don't ever hear about forgiveness and, and the, the things that, the, the things that comprise real Christianity walked out. No, we don't. We get motivational seminars. And because of that, we've got a whole lot of professing Christians who aren't changing, who aren't living it out. So you're either going to be conformed to this world or you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, folks, your worldview has incredible repercussions. Incredible repercussions. See, I've been walking with God since I was... 18, and being 40 now, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> See, that used to be something. When they really laugh, then I'm in trouble. But since I was 18, I've been walking with God. But I open up the Bible. I read my Bible this morning, and some things jumped out at me that I've never seen. I go into the Word of God every day. Why? Because I want to be hyper-spiritual? No. Because I want to be able to stand up and tell you that I do that every day? No. I do it to survive. I do it to renew my mind. I do it to gather my daily manna. I do it because I know I need correcting. I know that I need instruction. I know that I need faith. And faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And I get into that word, it's non-negotiable. It is irrefutable. I cannot not get into the Word of God and make it as a Christian. All right, but you're, you're, and and I need my, even after all these years, I need my thinking renewed. Your worldview determines what you think about God, what you think about mankind, what you think about yourself, what you think about life, what you think about morality, 
what you think about heaven, what you think about hell, what you think about abortion, what you think about gender issues, and every other hot-button issue of our time, it is all seen through either the lens of a worldly worldview or a biblical worldview. Your worldview will decide how you respond to and how you view all those things. So I'm going to throw out a question for all of us today. And this is for me too. Who are you most listening to? Who has your ear? Who's counseling you? Who's explaining life to you? Uh, Who's shaping the way you think about crucial issues? Where are you getting your truth? Where am I getting my truth? Where, Where are you getting it? Where are you getting, what is, who is your source or what is your source for how you view this whole gender issue that's churning in our culture right now? Who, who is instructing you morally? Your worldview, let me tell you the truth about you and me. Your worldview has primarily been shaped by who or what has taught you through the years. Who has most had your attention? And who's teaching you now? Because you know what? Everybody in this room, including myself and everybody watching online and everybody listening to this later by radio, somebody's teaching you now. You're being taught each and every day of your life. There are messages being sent to you and to me each and every day in this culture. And, and the question is, what is the source? Is it God or is it worldly thinking, worldly values, worldly morals, TV sitcoms, Hollywood movies, teachers, Hollywood period, professors, peers, books, magazines, YouTube videos, tick-tock, tick-tack, whatever it is, <laughs> Facebook. These are all pipelines. Folks, please understand with me. These are all pipelines for others to reach you and teach you with their lifestyle messages. Are we aware of that? That every day we're bombarded with messages from this fallen, wicked culture about how we should think and live and view everything. In other words, this world desperately wants to give you and me a worldly worldview of everything. So, so again, the question, have people living lifestyles contrary to Christianity had your ear? Have they had your ear? Uh, are you and am I allowing worldly sources to teach us? Please hear me on this. Because I can tell you whether or not you've got a worldly or a biblical worldview is going to decide the rest of your life and how it goes and how much fruit you bear and how much impact you have for the kingdom of God and how well you do. So am I, who, who is teaching me about morals, gender issues, Dating, marriage, premarital sex, how you view God in the Bible, what you should pursue in life, what should be your aim and your goal. Who's teaching you and me about that? Who's reaching us? Who has our attention? Who has our ear? Who are we trusting to speak into our life? Let me tell you, I am very discerning about who I let speak into my life. Here's the fact, the lifestyle that you choose, the moral decisions you and I make, what you do with the life that God has given you, and the hundreds of decisions you make each and every day flow out 
of who has successfully reached you and taught you and shaped your worldview. And I don't care if you're as saved as the day is long. You can still have a worldly worldview. For instance, let's say you learn that your best friend has decided to move in with his or her love interest without getting married. I know that's rare and we almost never see that in this day, but I'm just throwing it out there. Now, now here's the deal. Are you against it? Uh, Are you grieved over it? Or are are you okay with it so long as they're happy? Because after all, isn't that what life is all about? You and me being happy? See, here's the deal. Your response to them will hinge upon whether your morality is guided by the Bible or by the world. Boy, it's so quiet in here, you could hear a pin drop on a shag carpet. I came today to meddle. Now, you can go somewhere else and get motivational seminars and be told you're going to get rich one day because you got faith and all of that, but you're not going to get that here. I'm going to tell you, I know, I know what my Bible tells me about a worldview, and, and I want to see you and I bear fruit. I want to see you successful. I want to see you successfully defeat the devil in your life, and it's never going to happen without a biblical worldview. Or let's, here's another scenario. Let's say you've got a single friend who has turned up pregnant. She has no steady job. Her parents don't know about it. And the father's already moved on. She tells you she's considering an abortion and wants your advice. Now, whether or not you have a biblical worldview or a worldly worldview, that's going to decide what you say to her. Whatever you have accepted as true is what you're going to tell her. Now, my Bible tells me that I should give godly counsel. My Bible tells me that I should counsel according to Scripture. See, this is why it's so important who or what has our ear. Who holds our attention? Who are we trusting to speak into our life? Oprah? Dr. Phil? Some college professor? Some some radio or television personality on some stupid talk show? Because they're always dispensing advice and counsel on how to live your life in a worldly way. Who are you and I allowing to form and shape our opinions? Listen to what Jesus told Pilate. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. In other words, if you truly love God's truth as revealed in his word, Jesus will have your ear. Not Oprah, not Dr. Phil. Not some host out there on some show, but Jesus will be the one that primarily and ultimately and predominantly has your ear. Because if you love the truth, you will recognize that what he says is true. True. The truth. Non-negotiable, unassailable, unmodified, unchanging truth. Now, last time we began to look at the, some of the characteristics of a, of a biblical worldview. And last week we closed with a key foundation stone in any biblical worldview is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Can I have an amen? Because you go out there and you ask that world, how do you get to heaven? And those talk show hosts, Oprah, Dr. Phil, all the rest of them, they will tell you. 
Oh, there's not just one way. There's several ways. God sees your heart. And as long as you're sincere, you're, any old way will do. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go therein. But narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. It's very discriminating. It's very specific. It's very one way-ish. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And no man gets to the Father but through me. Now that, if you've got a biblical worldview, you've got that conviction. Right? But now let me give you another one. Are you ready? Here's another one. And my, everything I've set up to now leads up to this. But here's the, here's the second foundation stone of a biblical worldview. God's word is the ultimate source of all truth for me. God's word. Everybody say God's word. So get ready, everybody. Whatever the Bible says is true about marriage, morals, money, eternity, heaven, hell, gender, people, that's my truth too. That's my truth. Well, Pastor Jeff, that just sounds so narrow. It is narrow. I admit it is narrow. Jesus said it was narrow. And if somebody tries to teach me something that conflicts with the truth found in Scripture, it's not for me. Hello, everybody. It's not for me. As a believer growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and who is uh, renewing my mind and who is, who is developing a biblical worldview, when I hear something that goes against the Bible, it's not for me. And you know what? Further, it's not true. Paul the Apostle was really clear about this. Listen to what he said. 1 Timothy 6, verse 3. If anyone advocates a different doctrine, now we hear the word doctrine and we go, oh, doctrine. Doctrine is just teaching. It's the message. It's, it's, it's just right now, I'm giving you doctrine. I'm giving you teaching. I'm teaching you. I'm sharing with you the word of God. So if anybody advocates a different message or teaching and does not agree with sound words, And then he tells us what sound words are. Those of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if anybody is teaching you something that doesn't agree with what Jesus taught and with the doctrine conforming to godliness or that leads you and I to live a godly life, he's conceited, he understands nothing. Flee from these things, you man or woman of God. Flee from them. Why in the world do I want to listen to somebody who's conceited and understands nothing? If somebody's out there teaching things contrary to the word of God, I guarantee you they're wrong. And why in the world would I give my ear to somebody who's conceited and understands nothing? Uh, life's too short, you know? And if I'm going to listen to somebody teaching, I'm going to listen to somebody who's telling me the truth. So why would I waste my time with a worldly source listening to somebody who the Bible says is conceited and doesn't understand anything? He said, flee from that message. So, so I ask you, is this verse telling us to be discerning about what we listen to and who gets our ear and who we accept as telling us truth? Come on. Paul says we're to flat up reject and turn away from teachings and messages from people who advocate, advocate lifestyles and worldviews that are contrary to the Bible. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the sea of the scornful. Let's begin with the beginning of that verse. Blessed is the man or woman who doesn't walk in the counsel of ungodly people. See, so you got somebody here who has listened to ungodly people. He's heard what they're saying and he said, you know what? You're wrong. I'm not going to walk in what you're counseling me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk in it. I'm not going to build my life on it. I'm not going to accept it. But he says, instead, your delight is in the word of the Lord. And in your, in his word, you meditate day and night. And you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, whatever he does, whatever he does will prosper. Who's the person that is constantly prospering in a spiritual, powerful, positive way? The one who has rejected the counsel of the ungodly. Jesus told us straight up that I'm the source of truth. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He didn't just say he knew the truth, he said I am the truth. And everything I say is the truth. God's truth is ultimate, non-negotiable, absolute, unchanging, eternal. It doesn't flex or change. It's embodied in Jesus Christ and it's embodied in the word of God. Listen to what Jesus prayed for his church. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Can we say that together, everybody? His word is truth. You said it like you're not sure. Let's try it again. His word is truth. So not only is Jesus the ultimate source of truth, but so is the word. Because Jesus put his seal of approval on the whole word of God. He said, your word is truth. The Bible says this about itself, all scripture Not some, not most, all of it is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Listen to those adjectives, true, wrong, right. The word of God, when you open it, it's going to tell you what's true, it's going to tell you what's wrong, and it's going to tell you what's right. And it doesn't change society to society, century to century. What was wrong 20 centuries ago is wrong today. And what was right 20 centuries ago is right today. Psalms 119 verse 160, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. All of scripture is unassailably, irrefutably true. You can trust his word. So when I open up that Bible, I open it up like I'm getting into a great treasure. Matter of fact, I'm kind of spiritually salivating by the time I get to my Bible every morning. I can't wait to read what it's going to tell me. Even the genealogies, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. If you watch them carefully, they're loaded with incredible truth. So, so, so I open up that Bible, and, and I'm getting into a feast. I have a little philosophy, no Bible, no breakfast. I, I get spiritually fed first. Give me this day, Lord, my daily bread. And I open up that Bible. And I'm not talking about money when I pray that. I'm talking about first, give me my daily feeding. And I open it up like I'm opening up a great treasure, greater also than honey and the honeycomb. Uh, His word is better than diamonds and rubies and emeralds and silver and gold. 
and I open it up and I take it in. And it renews my mind and builds my faith and helps me be ready to face the devil each and every day. Are you with me, church? Amen. Jesus said, you're going to know the truth and it's going to make you free. Till finally we grow to the place. And I'm going to close with this. We grow to the place, as Paul wrote, we will no longer be like babies. We will not be people who are always changing. Like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. Tossed to and fro, back and forth. Always being knocked around by the circumstances of life. Knocked off the saddle. Befuddled, confused, defeated. He said, you're not going to be that way anymore as you grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And develop a biblical worldview. He said... We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to deceive us. Those who make clever plans and use every kind of trick to fool others into following the wrong way. We won't fall prey to false teachers, false messages, false prophets, false apostles, and false everything else that's all around us these days. No, but we will be steady, eddy, standing on a rock, Developing a biblical worldview, seeing everything through the lens of Scripture. Amen? Stand with me today, would you? Can I ask you again, who has your ear? Who are you listening to? The view? Lord, I hope not. Have you noticed shows like that? They're trying to develop your worldview each and every day. Uh, who has your ear? Who are you listening to mainly? Who are you trusting to speak truth into your life about these major key issues? Who, who is it? What is it? Social media. It's reaching everybody. I mean, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, you ought to know my worldview. I'm here in church every Sunday. I got you for 30 to 40 minutes. Most of you, that's it. You're in, you're out. 30 to 40 minutes. But Facebook has you for hours and hours and hours every week. Some of you need to wash your face book. Because some of you, I don't recognize you on Facebook. No. Oh, somebody just got real uptight. Uh Uh-oh. Now watch this. All these social media, they're teaching you every day. Who has your ear? Bill Gates? Uh, um, these, these media moguls, do they have your ear? Hollywood have your ear? The movies, the sitcoms, the shows, the lifestyles they're portraying, do they have your ear? Are they teaching you about morals? How to, how to handle yourself sexually? Not to mention porn. I'm, I'm just, look. Life is short, then you die. And you go to meet your maker. We have one life to live as the world turns. As I deal with all my children. And I don't want my life to become a Peyton place. We have one life to live. And then boom, we're with him. So I want a renewed mind. How about you? Amen. 
So I want us to pray together. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? And I want us to pray uh, just a really good prayer. Let's just pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, if anything has my ear, anyone, any false source, any worldly voice, show it to me. That I may shun it and flee from it and shut the door on it. And may you, Lord, And the Holy Bible be the shaper of my worldview. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's enough for me. The Lord comes quickly. Amen. Amen. Come on, thank the Lord. Amen. And and notice what he said, his reward is with him. Now that's straight out of Revelations, and and God used that verse to speak that. So uh, I receive it. I do believe he's coming quickly. What about you? And you know that he's coming with a reward. And I'll guarantee you, if you've got a renewed mind, a biblical worldview, then you're going to be victorious, victorious. Uh, Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I want to bless the people as they go. Lord, in Jesus' name, bless your people. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to have a biblical worldview, to saturate our minds in the Word of God. And we thank you for it, Lord, and pray your blessing on everyone that came today, everybody leaving, everyone watching at home. Thank you for making us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and giving us victory this week through our Lord Jesus Christ in his mighty name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a good drive back home. We'll see you next time.